This is Tyler Lockett, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the epic Roster Watch podcast brought to you by rosterwatch.com. And when I say epic, it's a truly epic show today. We have a big hitter uh, joining us today. He is Jason Moore of the Fantasy Footballers. You can find him on Twitter at Jason FFL. Uh, you can find all their content at Fantasy Footballers uh, with the ultimate draft kit.com or what ultimate draft kit.com. Not ultimate, the ultimate draft kit. Yeah. The, well, it's ironic because it's the fantasy footballers.com, but it's just <laughs> ultimate draft kit.com. <laughs> okay. So no the on the no the there or anywhere there. And uh, yeah, it, but so much good content that they have over there. Obviously, a very, very popular, uh, very, very popular podcast. And, uh, and uh, just super happy to have Jason on. Jason, I wanted to start out by asking you uh, real quick. So there's a guy I'm doing, I'm in this uh, FFPC pros versus Joe's league. And I noticed that I'm, I'm picking third, the guy picking first, Rob Waziak looks like he is a fantasy footballers uh, employee or contr- contributor that you guys have over there. He's picking in the one hole. I'm picking out of the three hole. I guess it's probably given away whose team is whose, but I was going to ask you which roster you like better so far. So uh, Rob Waziak picking in the one hole here in this FFPC pros versus Joe's, which is, I guess is a, this is my second year doing it. And I really need to defend myself from last year where I took, uh, you know, it was early in the summer and I took, Damian Williams and Antonio Brown with two, two, of, my first, Ooh, two of my first three picks. Uh, so I, I'm hoping to do better this year. Uh, which of these two rosters do you like better? Christian McCaffrey in round one and then Mike Evans and Adam Thielen at the turn? Or out of the three-hole, Ezekiel Elliott followed up by Chris Godwin and Clyde Edwards-Elair at the turn? Um, remind me in this format, you start uh, – because that, that's that's – Pretty much the difference to me in these rosters is uh, do you do, how many running backs versus wide receivers do you have to start two uh, two and two and then two but then two flex wide receiver running back tight end it's been a couple of years I it was ironically we would be playing in this I think I think was kind of stepped in for uh, my spot it's been a couple of years since I was playing in these pros versus Joes I know there's a lot of uh, unique custom scoring in that I would say um, you know by the end of the year. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, I think, will um, be very good. I don't think he gets off to a super strong start. So if if this was a three-man roster, I would pick him. But I think I could like your start better, assuming you get running backs who can start the season right off the bat. Because, um, you know, I, I've talked about Clyde Edwards-Alaire being a guy that I, because of how expensive he is, and actually you got good value on him in the third He's been going in the second everywhere I've seen. Sure, I yeah. tend to only grab him when I start running back, running back, running back, so that mm-hmm. I know I'm good to start, and then I'll be a beast at the end. 
Right. No, I I agree. And I, I think it could, I've, I've talked about it a lot. I feel like it feels that maybe Clyde is being thought of by the fantasy community as somebody who can come in and have a little bit of a faster start than maybe Miles Sanders did last year. But I, I think some of the, some of these running backs, especially when I, when I think like JK Dobbins, I could definitely see with somebody like him, maybe having a Miles Sanders like year where it's like at the end of the year, you look back and say he's pretty good, but man, if you if you if you were forced to start him at the very beginning of the season, <laughs> you, there there were there were some rough weeks along the way, and you know probably if you had Miles Sanders and you won a championship last year, it was probably a situation where maybe you traded for him. It's, you know you got him on your team off of a losing owner, and you got to ride the wave down the stretch. And but I think in a best ball format, Clyde, you know he he was there. Man, in these drafts, everybody's going so running back heavy early it's like man if you don't get that guy right then that's actually comes back around it's yeah it's a really good point in a in a best ball draft Clyde Edwards Alaire is much more valuable because your playoffs are the entire season you know (laughs) for for redraft leagues the way that I that's that's the frame of reference I'm usually coming at these drafts with Uh, so Clyde Edwards Alaire in the third round it's actually really good value because I forgot this is best ball and in best ball you're going to get you guarantee that you get scoring in week 16. Um, you know, in, in a normal redraft league, if you don't make the playoffs because you got off to too slow of a start, then if he's a beast in week 14, 15, 16, you might not get those points. You get them. So um, I, that, that's, that's a, a solid pick for a best ball. Do you, do you think, you know, I, as I mentioned, it's just like he was the – I mean, Melvin Gordon went before him. Leonard Fournette went before him. I, I just – I'd like to look here and see because it, it kind of speaks to a larger point. You know, it was – you know, I feel like pretty soon here in the third round of this draft, I, I, I think Le'Veon Bell and David Johnson, Chris Carson, maybe even James Conner, these guys are going to start going off the board even before people start looking at, you know – the the Calvin Ridley's or the Amari Cooper's or you know some of the maybe even the Allen Robinsons um, people are really pushing running backs up right right now. Uh, do you th- when this has been the case in years previous, people have said, well, m- maybe that means it's time to at least consider zero RB. Have you? Um, I know you guys have talked about it on your podcast before about whether zero RB is viable this year, but just for our audience, it, is it? Do you think it's a viable strategy? Do you do you find yourself ever doing it? And if so, are there any which which running back targets do you look at later? And for people who might not know what zero RB is, it's just a where you kind of go wide receiver heavy early on, and you kind of platoon a group of sort of scraggly running backs and hope to really hit on the waiver wire uh, during during the season. Yeah, I, um, I I think zero RB is a is definitely a. a roster construction that you can win with it certainly depends on the league if it's two running back two wide receiver one flex standard scoring or or even half ppr it's going to be a little bit more difficult but in your bigger leagues where it's full ppr maybe you're starting three wide receivers or there's multiple flex that's where zero rb because you're gonna you're really going to win with wide receivers and and you know flex ppr points um i don't ever use this theory like i i i I don't enjoy it i I don't either i don't enjoy you know i've never been in a league where one of my opponents has gone zero rb and ever been jealous i've never thought man i wish i could trade at at any point through the season and that's certainly not to say it can't work I've, i've i've seen it work i know it can work i don't enjoy that i like having my running back position locked down being very strong um i find like you know 
I've got pretty good history of drafting some uh, high upside mid later round wide receivers. So I, I don't employ that, but if I did, and you're talking about this year, this year could be a perfect year for it because you have a, a culmination of two different things. One, it's so running back heavy up front that you can take advantage of that by pivoting and getting superstar wide receivers for four and five rounds um, and just loading up. And the other reason is, you know, the, the idea, the anti-fragile, um, method is that starters go down to injury more at running back. Well, with COVID-19, it might not just be, um, you know, it, it might not just be injury. It could just be, they've got, you know, a positive test and all of a sudden the backups are more valuable. So my targets, you know, you, you, you pretty much when you're playing zero RB, you've got a couple of different theoretical targets. You, you want late round guys who, have the starting job that you could plug in a lineup. I, I think of Ronald Jones, who I've been warming on. Uh, he's going after Keyshawn Mon, and he could end up just being the starter for a good offense this year. Um, or you go backups. Um, you know the 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 Tony Pollards um, and Chase Edmonds, and hope that you get a superstar of Zeke or Drake goes down, uh, and then the kind of in between guys um, that I would target if you can get a Cream Hunt. He might be a little too highly drafted, but he's perfect where you, you can start him in a pinch uh, any week and then should Chubb go down or, or Latavius Murray, those type of players. So um, that, that would be some of the guys I would target if I was playing zero RB, which I won't. Which you won't because it's, because it's no good. It's just, it, it never, it doesn't, it, it, um, I just, I just wonder this, this year, it seems like there's such a pre, I just wonder if these running backs are getting, artificially pushed up and if that's the case whether or not we just need to think about it but you're right it's like it whenever you look at the rosters at the end and you just you know you got to well, think the, about week one and, and think about like how you're gonna how you how it's gonna look and, and then looking at your looking at your opponent's roster who you're going up against because that's that, that's that's gonna happen and yeah. if you really want to be the guy that's got you know that's got will fuller in your flex versus the other guy that's got you know David Montgomery or something like that. It's just, yeah, I, I think in most cases, even when you look at players that are being drafted, I think I'd rather have the running back in, in my flex. And I still understand anybody's week, reasoning for not loading up. On yeah. That. Week one, you're certainly going to like a non zero RB lineup better. But the, the theory is that as the season goes on and injuries happen, one roster gets weaker as your running backs get injured and one roster gets stronger. Uh, the, the only hole I find in that logic is the fact that, People talk about, well, you're wrong on projections. Like people are always wrong on, you know, getting projections right. And, and that factors into if you actually are wrong on some of your first round picks. But the reality is if you draft Tony Pollard and Chase Edmonds late, well, if Zeke and Drake don't go down, your team doesn't get stronger. So it's it, the picks have to be right in either way. And I would rather have my picks be based more on what I can project, what I can see with what teams are doing, than just based on the luck of the draw of injury of starting running backs. And I guess the only final thing before we move on, I, I didn't want to talk this long about zero, zero RB, but as I'm looking at it too, I'm just looking how drafts generally fall. It seems like something that I would, I would certainly not do it if I had one of the first like five picks. You know, there's no, there's the opportunity cost. Of, you know, um, I think that's I think where you Michael can actually, Tom, you know, if Michael Thomas were to fall maybe a little bit more, you, you can maybe start out with him. So a lot of people that do a modified zero RB where, you know, you might take Christian McCaffrey in the first round and then you don't draft another running back again until round seven or eight or nine. And, you know, the, 
that to me is a little bit more appealing. Right. Uh, well, speaking of spe- speaking of wide receivers, are, are there any right now that as far as guys that you would consider sort of must haves as far as where they're going right now, uh, zero RB or not, just you know, wide wide receivers? Is there a certain is there a sweet spot where you find yourself sort of looking to the position? And if so, uh, are there guys who you like right now as far as their ADPs? Yeah, I mean, I, I love a lot of the guys going in the fourth round. Um, you know, Robert Woods is a perennial value. He's always undervalued because he's not, you know, you, you look at the the guys who have, say, A.J. Brown, who I also like. I, I thought coming into this year I would hate A.J. Brown because people were going to be crazy and drafting him top 10 because of the upside of what we saw once Tannehill took over. But that's not the case. He's I've seen him go as the wide receiver 20 in drafts. At that point, you're near his floor. So, but mm-hmm. but AJ Brown has that top five upside. Robert Woods doesn't, and so nobody wants him. He keeps dropping, but year year after year after year, he's basically he's, a he's a wide receiver one. So he, he's there. And then my favorite pick this year um, certainly is becoming labeled as a as a my guy is uh, Marquise Hollywood Brown. I absolutely love him. Um, I'm sad that he's kind of rising up draft boards because you know a month ago he was so late. He was it was. You know, you could get him almost as a late round pick, and I think he's mm-hmm. got top fifteen upside. You've got him on a great offense. He's the clear number one target. Uh, you know, it's him and Mark Andrews for Baltimore, the same way that it's Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey for Kansas City. Less passing volume, of course, but I think that the talent of Marquise Brown is way beyond what we saw in his rookie year, coming off of his his foot injury. Uh, he's he's going to explode this season. Yeah, I, and I I do agree. And you know, when you think about, I want to just hit, hit back to Robert Woods real quick. Just if you look at all the all the wide receivers, basically in in fantasy that we're talking about, you look at the over the course of the last two years, Robert Woods. If you look at just the games where he's given you a monster game in PPR of over twenty five points, he's 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 done that fifteen percent of the time. I mean, there the only people who were really ahead of him are Devontae Adams. Amari Cooper, Chris Godwin, Adam Thielen, Mike Evans, Tyree Kill, DeAndre Hopkins, Cooper Cup, Julio Jones, and Michael Thomas, as far as their scoring distribution. That would make him, what, wide receiver 12 or 13? So it's like, it, it, as far as as far as the distribution of scoring in PPR, you know, just those really big, really big monster weeks. And then as far as Marquise Brown is concerned, um, man, that's the guy, he was, he was handpicked by Lamar Jackson. They, they they gave Lamar Jackson the they said hey who do you want he said uh, if it's this year I want Hollywood if it's next year I want Jerry Judy and they said all right we're we're going to get you Hollywood and I mean he's he's healthy this year he's fast he's a nuclear weapon so I'm I'm super excited my question to you would be you know de facto number one there it feels like Will Fuller is sort of the de facto number one now that DeAndre Hopkins is gone in Houston clearly a lot of injury issues with him. Sometimes sometimes people are faced with a decision there in the usually the sixth round or so. Now um, it could go up a little bit, but uh, Will Fuller or Marquise Brown, I'm, I'm assuming you go Marquise Brown in that situation. Yeah, I go Marquise Brown 100 out of 100 times. I, I think Brandon Cooks could be the starter, uh, the presumed number one for the Texans. You, you have the injury history with Will Fuller, which is just called history um, since he is always <laughs> yeah. injured. Uh, yeah, but yeah, yeah I, mean, I mean, Marquise Brown came back from a, a – you know, an injury where the timeline was not good for him. He comes on the field and he shows that he belongs there. He's, uh, you know, lighting it up. But then they they keep his snap counts low through most of the season. Um, he got a little bit, you know, uh, re-aggravated an injury 
as as the season went on. Now this offseason, he got the screw taken out of his foot. He was playing with yeah. metal in his foot. Now he's he's free. And you look at you know the historical production from that injury. And last year, it's usually like a 40% reduction in production for that timeline. And this year, he should be back to full production. And that was a rookie coming into his second year for Lamar Jackson. I'm, I'm all about Hollywood. Just one thing I wanted to point out about Robert Woods is just if you – I mean, we can, agree, we can agree that he's going to be the number one outside guy and Cooper Cup's going to play out of the slot, right? That seems like that's for the probably most the way part, it's going to be. For the most okay. part. So if you project out his – if you project out just the cornerbacks he'll be facing um, – it's a pretty tough schedule. I just don't know if it worries you a little bit. Uh, it starts out with Chidobe Awuzie, then he'll get Darius Slay, then he'll get Jadavius White, then he'll get James Bradbury. Pretty good matchup in week five versus Fabian Moreau. In week six, he'll get Richard Sherman. Week seven, Kyle Fuller. Week eight, Byron Jones. By week, week 10, he'll get – well, if he's not in jail, he'll get Quentin Dunbar. <laughs> we don't know about that. Uh, Carlton Davis in week 11, who's kind of coming on a little bit. For the Bucks, Richard Sherman again, then Patrick Peterson, then Stephon Gilmore in week 14, an easy week in week 15 with uh, Pierre Desir, and then in week 16, it's Shaquille Griffin. I, w- I will say with that, it looks like a tough schedule as far as um, as far as corners, but a lot of those guys are guys that you face in division, and typically these really tough cornerback wide receiver matchups, when they're in division like that and, and they're used to seeing each other, they kind of get, you know, kind of get placated a little bit, so... Um, yeah, one, and I, one thing and one about of the, Robert Woods that I've been considering. One of the nice things with Woods is he's not a star. He's not a he. You don't go up against the Rams as a defensive coordinator and think, "How do we stop Robert Woods?" He's, you know what I mean. Like he's, <laughs> he's not the guy you're scheming out. He's not the guy you're shadowing with your best player. Is he on the outside? Yes, but you're probably more worried about Cooper Cup, uh, especially right. down in the in the red zone. So I, I, you know, I don't think that this is. He's just a guy that's guaranteed 130 targets for a good offense led by Sean McVay. Uh, you know, so I'm, I'm fine with the PPR value that you're going to get. And, you know, I mean, he was the wide receiver 17 last year. He only had two touchdowns on, you know, 1,100 plus yards. So he's got room to, to go up. All right. So staying out there in the staying out there in the uh, NFC West, why don't we? Because you guys are in Arizona. I know I, I, I know Mike is a uh, Cardinals fan. Fan. You guys are all Cardinals fans. We are all sadly Cardinals fans, although excited right now. It's finally, finally looking great. Well, just, just overall, one of the things are, are you happy with, with, with Steve Kahn as a GM? Has, has it been a roller coaster? It's definitely or, been a roller coaster. Two years ago, um, or uh, sorry, going into last year, I was on the let's move on from Steve, Steve Kahn train. His track record of first round busts is just incredibly good. If you're aiming for busts, Um, (laughs) his only real good first round pick, it took him having the number one pick in the draft. And my biggest worry was because he took Josh Rosen, traded up and got him. I didn't think he would with his job on the line. I think he wanted to protect his, his own doing. I didn't think he would draft Kyler as he should have, but he did obviously the trade for Deandre Hopkins with David Johnson, bringing a Kenya Drake, Isaiah Simmons. I'm thrilled with the job he's done in the last, you know, 12 months. So I'm, I'm, I'm fine with Steve Kahn again. Uh, the obviously, I mean, just a, a complete steal for Deandre Hopkins. What, what is your outlook on him? I noticed that he has an over under of 93.5 receptions. Uh, do you, 
that's a little bit less than he's gotten before. But if you look at it, I don't have it pulled up, but I don't think anybody had over 70. I don't think anybody had over 75 receptions last year for the, for the Cardinals. So he would definitely be stepping into a, a more prominent role if he got that done. Are you going over or under 93.5 if I got to if I got to put a gun to your head? I have him with 90 receptions, so I would take the under, uh, but it is obviously very close. I think his catch percentage is going to come down from what you saw, you know, 70% basically the last couple of years with Deshaun Watson. But rookie year with Deshaun Watson, it was like 55%. So coming in year one with Kyler Murray, um, I've got him at 65%. The targets are going, you know, he's been up just a target monster. It's going to be very difficult for him to have the same target market share that he had with Houston, all their wide receivers were usually injured and not nearly on the caliber. I mean, Christian Kirk, Larry Fitzgerald, Kenyon Drake out of the backfield, DeAndre Hopkins, I'm, you know, I'm pushing him up to get about 141 targets, um, mm. which is much lower than he's had in the last several years. Okay. Well, so, but I mean, 141, I mean, you have 141 targets and 90 catches. Yeah. I've got him with a 64% catch rate. All right. Well, it's uh, it's certainly lower than uh, than, you know, he was 69 percent last year. But again, that was three years with the same quarterback. So we'll we'll see. I mean, honestly, if he if he's up at, you know, 68 percent catch rate, then I'm well over 90, 90 completions. It's just it's just, a, it's just about what do you think he's going to get there? What about um, what about when we talk about Calvin Ridley as a player that goes in that same sort of area we were talking maybe a little bit earlier than we talked about earlier with Robert Woods. He's getting a lot of hype right now. Um, and the, the, the Atlanta offense is pretty easy to figure out, you know, with, with their pieces. It's not one that necessarily takes a whole lot of, whole lot of guesswork to, to sort of know where the production is going to come. Are you in on Calvin Ridley? It seems like he's got a lot of hype from a lot of big time analysts that sort of moved his ADP up a little bit here in the last month or so. Yeah, I I was uh, very in on Calvin Ridley to start the offseason. When I statted all the teams out, I was he was a top 12 wide receiver for me. Um, I think he has that talent. And, uh, you know, he the opportunity is there for him this year because it's really a, a two-man show with Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley. Hayden Hurst is going to come in, but he's not just going to be Austin Hooper. Uh, but then as I dug deeper, uh, the offseason went along and looked – deeper into the game logs, when Calvin Ridley did well, when Austin Hooper left and came back, he was a major beneficiary from when Hooper was off the field. And in those situations where you lose a player to injury, uh, you have to look elsewhere with the existing roster. When you bring in, uh, you know, it's not like, oh, well, Austin Hooper's off the field, he's great, and Austin Hooper's not there this year, so he's going to be great. They brought in Hayden Hurst, to play that role. And I don't expect him to go all the way up. So I, I've got Calvin right now at my wide receiver 16. So I'm, I'm in on him. I think he's just an outstanding route runner. If you put him against zone, he's going to, he's going to find the holes and destroy. And he's got a great nose for the end zone, which obviously for fantasy that that matters. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm strong on Calvin Ridley, but I, I don't think I'm where I was a month ago, where a lot of analysts are saying he's the new Chris Godwin breakout where mm -hmm. going into last year seemed like Chris Godwin, that would be impossible for him to become the number one because Mike Evans was there, but he sure. could be, he could be great. Now he's the number one and Mike Evans is the number two. I don't see that happening here with Ridley and Julio. With that said, if, if you do start out three running backs in a 12 team league and somehow you can get Calvin Ridley at the beginning of the fourth round, are you comfortable with him being your, your, the, the first wide receiver that you take in that kind of scenario? 
Yeah. I mean, uh, it depends on who's on the board in the fourth. Um, you know, if I'm looking at say Robert Woods, Adam Thielen, Calvin Ridley, and they're, and they're my first, I probably mm-hmm. lean towards one of the vets who's done it before versus the projected breakout. I'd love to have Calvin Ridley be my second wide receiver. Right. Um, but I would be, uh, you know, if he's the best one on the board and I've got three stud running backs because that's how the draft fell. I do think Calvin Ridley will be good for fantasy and and you can win with him as your one. I just think there's safer options if if I'm drafting him to be my one. All right. So there are going to be some uh, some fans of the fantasy footballers here. And I'm sure we have some crossover audience on our podcasts who might want to know a little bit more about you guys. I certainly want to know a little bit more about you guys. So I prepared these eight questions called which of the fantasy footballers so between you three guys which one all right i'm ready all right which which one of the fantasy footballers has read the most books in his life andy holloway andy Andy holloway Holloway. is the reader of us all which of the fantasy footballers would be the most successful in starting a fire without a lighter or matches if they were uh, stranded Ooh, that's a good one not me (laughs) <laughs> It'll be between Mike and Andy. I'm going to say Andy again. And uh, I, I think he, I think he, he feels was like a renaissance man. He could have read some books about like being, <laughs> being an outdoorsman. He would use all of his pages from his book to help kindle the fire. Which one of the fantasy footballers is most likely to go to the movies by themselves? Oh, like, how go funny. To the alone. How funny. That is once again, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's just sweeping this thing. He, he, well, he's sweeping them, but they're not all good. Like, I don't want to go to the movies by myself. I'm, I know that Andy has kind of, gone to I the movies kind of by a weird, I, I think it's kind of a weird, a weird habit. My wife's mother does it. And I, it I, it's I don't so weird to me. I couldn't imagine going out to a movie theater by myself. And I love <laughs> movies. I'll watch movies by myself at home. But as soon as you go to public, it's just too <laughs> sad. It's so sad. But Andy can swallow that pill. Which of the fantasy footballers is most likely to send back a meal at a restaurant that is not up to his standards? Uh, I, I think Mike does not fear <laughs> confrontation. Um, and, you know, he's got his standards that he lives by. Um, I am the least likely because I hate confrontation. Well, speaking of confrontation, so you guys have a I, I know you guys have a beautiful studio there and you guys are building out these home studios, too. But if you're in the studio together uh, and you walk in, who would be the go to guy for getting a getting a non venomous but large, large snake out of the out of the studio? Um, that would be Jeremy, our producer. <laughs> all three, <laughs> all three okay. like uh, immediately all three of us would yell the name Jeremy. We said, Jeremy. Come okay. save us. We are we are not good with the uh with the creatures and crawlers and snakes and oh my. So the so the same 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 question, but for a large hissing rat in the corner. Yeah, Jeremy he's the producer. Okay. Yeah, he he's he's the he's the man of the office. Uh the final two. Which uh, which one of you guys would fare best on a unicycle? Ooh, interesting. The balance. We're all super competitive. <laughs> the showmanship. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, man, I feel like if I could get on, I would stay <laughs> on. But I think getting started would, would be tough. Um, but I'm going to go with me. I'm going to go with me. I'm going to say I can I can get on. Once I, once I figure it out, I'm surprisingly athletic. Um, that's my moniker because I'm overweight. But uh, I'll, I'll, I'll stay on that unicycle. <laughs> okay. And then uh, – uh, for the the final one, and this is probably this is the question that's right on the right on the tips of everybody's tongues. Uh, which one of you guys would last the longest in a uh, trunk of a small sedan trapped with a trapped with a Wolverine? 
Oh man, you you really took a, 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 a turn there at the end. Yep. <laughs> With a Wolverine trapped, um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna say me. I'm, yeah. I, I, I've got the strength. I could take the blows. Um, <laughs> you know, I I do not want to be in that trunk. Um, but I I'll I'll come out I'll come out alive. Okay, just a, a, a couple more real real uh, football questions here for you, since everybody now knows exactly what uh, what you guys are all about there at the Fantasy Footballers. What do you think about um, – I was looking at your – I was doing a little research for the show, and I was looking at y'all's Scott Fishbowl team, your, yeah. your SFBX team. It looks like you guys – had a good strategy you guys had you guys i believe you picked kyler in the second round and you ended up getting a couple of uh, good good quarterbacks later some strong running backs to start it looked like amari cooper was the first wide receiver you guys took am i correct i think Uh, that that is correct yes how comfortable are you with amari cooper as your wide receiver one this year in, in in fantasy football so me personally i am very comfortable i would say eight and a half or nine out of ten uh mike on our show would very much disagree. This was one where Andy and I had to convince Mike to, to take Cooper. Um, the, the issue with Cooper has always been consistency. He's been extremely inconsistent on a game by game basis. He's going to win you some weeks and lose you some weeks. And it's very difficult to tell when 50% of the time he's good, 50% of the time he's bad. And then last year, he goes to Dak. He goes to the Cowboys. Well, he went there, you know, a season and a half ago and was great with the Cowboys to finish the season. Then he comes into the season and was also awesome. Top 10 wide receiver for fantasy. Phenomenal. Then he gets injured. And the second half of the year, he pretty much stinks. And I think people forget how injured he was. He was a decoy in some of those games. You'd be watching him jog and hobble on these routes. Like, why is he even on the field? And when you when you forget the 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 nuance of how it happened, I think you just look and you go, yeah, Amari Cooper did what he always does. He disappeared. Um, but I think there was reason for it. I I believe he's the clear cut number one wide receiver for a very good offense for a team that's going to throw the ball a lot. He's going to be great for fantasy. I'm I'm in on Amari Cooper, but that is not a unanimous footballer's opinion. Understood. Does does. Do you, do you have any takes at all about Michael Gallup and how CD lamb might affect him for the, for the Cowboys? Yeah. I mean, I, I, when, when uh, CD lamb was first drafted, the initial instinct is, Oh no, Gallup was going to be great. He's done. You know, the, the, this is too many mouths to feed, but you go and you look deeper and you say, okay, well, Randall Cobb had 83 targets that are vacated and Jason Witten had 83 crazy, targets right? that are vacated. There are plenty yeah. of targets to go around here for a rookie to come in. If CD lamb just inherits those 83 targets, that takes nothing away from the other players from what they did uh, a season ago. And, you know, I, I, I like Blake Jarwin, um, but you know, he, he's not going to, do much more than, you know, the 83 targets that Witten had. So I think Amari Cooper is fine. I'm not worried at all about C.D. Lamb. If anything, that could open it up. I mean, try to double-team Amari Cooper while you've got Michael Gallup and C.D. Lamb. I, I I wouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, you, well, no one should do that. Uh, it, they would they would have a lot of trouble. The uh, the other thing, you, you mentioned Blake Jarwin. I saw you guys took uh, – and. I only saw your I only saw your tweet. You guys tweeted out you tweeted out your roster through like round fifteen, but it looked like you guys had taken uh, and and Scott Fishbowl. It's a tight end premium. You guys had taken 
Blake Jarwin, Chris Herndon sort of going with the punt, hoping that somebody hits tied in there late. Do uh, you have a case to make for either of those guys? Uh, yeah, I mean, this was uh, – well, first of all, for Blake Jarwin, he's he's been good when he's given the opportunity. He hasn't had much opportunity because Witten has been there. Witten had 83 targets. So, you know, he's, a, he's certainly an athletic enough guy to get the job done. Uh, and then Chris Herndon is one of very few – rookie tight ends to have over 500 receiving yards and then we haven't seen him since then Uh, he basically played you know two minutes last season and I think coming into this third season um, he's a big breakout potential you know when you're in the Scott Fish it's it's made to where it's so deep um, and the scoring is so unique where every single team out there has a weakness and you have to pick and choose uh, we wanted to dictate our weakness, so it was our plan all along to say we're going to be strong at quarterback, running back, wide receiver, deep at all three, and because it's tight end premium and people are going heavy after tight ends, we're going to be fine just rolling one of Jarwin Herndon. You know, I think we got it, the corpse of Jimmy Graham in the round twenty. <laughs> um, so you, you know, we're we're fine because I think we're uh, you know our points are going to come elsewhere. Uh, and if either Jarwin or Herndon break out, then our team is dominant. All right, so uh, get you out of here on 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 this one again. You can guys, you can find him on Twitter. He's a, he's a a good friend, Jason Moore. It's uh, at Jason FFL. You can go to um, what's the the thefantasyfootballers dot com or go to ultimatedraftkit.com. They have all kinds of great stuff on there. Matt Harmon for the last few years has been putting his reception perception project exclusively over there where you get to see the different, you know, success rates for different routes and everything. I mean, it's more than, it's probably more than you could even take in that they have here in this ultimate draft kit. So you can get that at ultimatedraftkit.com, And we certainly appreciate everybody supporting our, our friends there. Um, again, Jason Moore at Jason FFL. All right. So let's just stick around in the NFC West brother. I'll get you out of here on this one. Can't thank you enough for coming on. Um, what what do you Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf in a vacuum? They're they're because honestly their ADPs have, be, have begun to converge. It's almost like you're having to choose between them in a, in a vacuum now. Yeah, I would love to choose between them. It's Tyler Lockett um, easily. Uh, I think Tyler Lockett is a phenomenal uh, NFL wide receiver. You know, you you just brought up Matt Harmon's reception perception. He is a reception perception stud. He has a mind meld with Russell Wilson. He has the years of getting it done with him. And while I do think DK Metcalf is also good, this isn't meant to disparage DK Metcalf. He's the two in this offense. He is the second read when Russ drops back. Uh, You know, he was very limited last year. And wisely, you know, they put him on a bunch of slants and nine routes, uh, which is DK Metcalf's strength. Um, But DK Metcalf is not the wide receiver, despite the fact that he is a superhuman, uh, you know, when, when you're that big and strong and can run that fast, you just get thrilled with the upside of like, what could be, you know, the, the Calvin Johnson body. But the reality is Tyler Lockett's the wide receiver one for that team. And he's really good at it. Um, so I'm taking Tyler Lockett for sure in a vacuum or in any other situational, um, you know, fantasy football outcome. I think Tyler Lockett over DK Metcalf is, is easy for me. And coming into this offseason, that was one of those questions I wanted to answer because it seemed like it was going to be difficult, but I'm I'm confident in Lockett as the wide receiver one for the Seahawks. <laughs> 